0: Today, we are joined by a very special guest. And I want to say this before we even get on. Shout out to FinTwit, right? And you can even say shout out to FinTwit before we announce who you are, because FinTwit is the one that made this happen, right? yes. If you don't know and you're not a part of it, if you're a financial advisor, you need to be a part of it if you're not. And if you're just in the finance and you want to just see what people in finance talk about, there is this incredible group on Twitter. It's called FinTwit. And FinTwit is just a whole bunch of advisors that have a an online presence that just look out for each other, help each other, root for each other, cheer for each other, and want nothing but the best for each other. Is there anything you'd want to add to what the group is?
1: You know, I love FinTwit because it's all about just, one, we don't all talk finance all day long, (laughs) and two, we Mm -hmm. can actually get to know each other. And honestly, I've connected with so many financial professionals just through FinTwitter because I was like, I saw your bio, I align, can I talk to you? And the DMs, and I've connected with so many allies and mentors now. And it's just so powerful.
0: I would say we sum up that group. I would say that I heard this from a guy that I spend a lot of time with. Shout out to Desarte Yarnwick, But I, I find that this guy says this a lot and he says it's collaboration over competition. And I think that those two words like collaboration over competition is what FinTwit is all about. And if you're not a member of FinTwit and you haven't been, then get on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter, shame on you, get a Twitter. And if you have a Twitter and you haven't been using it, shame on you. Just hashtag FinTwit, look at it, look it up and see what we're doing. But today, because of FinTwit, we are joined by Leah Landeverde. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Landeverde, like salsa verde. We We got it, I got it. So (laughs) we are on today with her and I am excited about this conversation, right? We're gonna have a lot of talk. We're gonna talk about building generational wealth today. But before we even get into that conversation, would you mind just talking a little bit about who you are? Tell the minority money community a little bit about yourself, please. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, of course, my name is Leah Landa Verde, and I am a first generation queer Latina. I am a daughter of Salvadoran immigrants, and I have been in the financial industry for over six years. I started very, very young. I am 24 years old, if I'm honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> I started when I was 15 because I watched my parents go through the '08 recession filed bankruptcy, foreclosure, and it just traumatized me completely. And all my dad said is, I need you to to be intelligent and not make my mistakes. So figure it out because you're the first gen here. You got to figure it out for us. And so the only thing that I could do is study finance. So that led me through working in wealth management to investment banking to now having my own practice of coaching, financial coaching. And I really help and focus on women of color or people of color who really want to get access to financial education and and literacy because these conversations weren't had at home. And I'm really, really passionate about breaking generational curses so that we can build generational wealth.
0: Love that. Love that. So the people about to listen to this about their wealth of knowledge is about to increase. Like we've got to be blessed today. So as you're talking about your journey, you said you started when you were 15 And then you were saying that you went through a few different like career things that it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that. 15, that says you got to do something, right? We need you to do something. So talk through that.
1: Yeah. So I did sports, but my brain was the most powerful thing that I had as a kid. I was translating docs at like eight years old from Spanish to English. And I was like their lawyer, their accountant. I was everything 10 years old. (laughs) CEO. Yes, literally. And my parents are entrepreneurs. So I watched them go and run their business the best that they could because they didn't have a financial map. But I watched them and I'm one to learn by watching. And I really am very proud of the accomplishments my parents made. But also it came to a fault where they didn't even know about saving or how to prepare for a recession. And when 08 happened and then the real estate market was just crashing, it it really impacted my parents' business because they're landscapers. So for me, watching that all happen, I was around like 12 once everything started finalizing in my life and impacting my community. And so it was around like two to three years after the recession. So it was the aftermath, right? It's so it was the aftermath. Right? So I was always getting good grades. And there was a program called Success Academy in my local middle school. And they said, hey, you can apply to go to college and high school at the same time. And of course, I didn't want to put college education on my parents' pocket because I didn't even know if they had money for that. And I didn't even know if I would get access to that as once I turned 18 and left high school. So I was like, okay, I got to apply. I have to take advantage of this. This is my time. So I was lucky enough to apply and I got accepted. So I got access to college at the age of 15, 16, so I was in 10th grade. And I was essentially taking finance classes while in high school because I really wanted to understand the financial system and what went wrong. Like, what did we do wrong?
0: It's always like when I hear about people's financial journey and how they got into it, like it's for us, it's always the search, like seek and find. Like you got to go right. out, like I had to find out how to do this. Then I found out that what I was doing might not have been the best way to do it. So then I had to get better at doing it. And so it's awesome to see that you were able to seek out what you wanted to do and start doing it even at that young age. So after you started doing the college courses while you're going to high school, what happened? How was that?
1: Yeah. So, of course, internships are really important in college and all I wanted was someone to look like me and act like me and speak like me in the financial industry and I'm from small town suburbia, Utah, called St George, Utah, very known for hiking and Zion National Park is mm. probably the best thing that you will know about it, so that's where I live. I live next to that beauty, and of course, it's white suburbia, and I didn't understand that you know my culture was very different from everyone else's. I spoke Spanish at home and then I'd go to school, and I was the only brown girl and I needed to find allies and there was when I think about the financial system it was like it was made by the popular people in this community And, and and then there was nothing for me like I didn't see anyone studying it I didn't my professors weren't you know black indigenous people of color and so I was like okay you need to get an internship you need to learn from these people and try to give the information back at the core, that was my mission with going to school. I need to give this information back in one way, shape, or form, but I need to learn it. I need to go to school. I need to study books that don't make sense, and you have to have six years of education to understand them, but you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try my very yeah. best, and I got an internship at a wealth management firm, and it blew my eyes knowing that people had multi-millions for retirement, and they were talking about assets under management, and they were talking about. Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, 401ks, and, da, 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 and, and assets and liabilities. And it just blew my mind that this is how people manage wealth. And I had no words. I was like, okay, how do I translate that? Like in my yes. brain, I'm like, how do you translate all of this to English, English or even Spanish to my parents? And I just consumed it like a sponge. I consumed it like a sponge. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't line with the mission of that wealth management firm. And to the best thing of my career because it pushed me to incorporate. And I was like, all right, well, my closest thing is Goldman Sachs because it's also in Utah. Their operations is in Salt Lake City. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the big dogs. I have no resources or connections to Goldman Sachs, but I'm going to apply. Hopefully, you know, an angel's taking care of me and I can get a corporate job once I graduated with my bachelor's in finance at the age of 19. And my angels are protecting me because I got in usually you need like an internship. Usually you need a connection to a recruiter or anything. I just applied through the website. That's how crazy this was. And (laughs) and you don't get access to Goldman Sachs like that. You really don't. And when I entered another whiplash of shock and it was like, all right, there's diversity. We have people from all sorts of backgrounds, from Asia, from Africa. My manager was from Nigeria. And then I had another manager who was from India. And Mm -hmm. then someone else from New Jersey and I'm like small town girl right like yeah. okay culture shock all right this is corporate america we have different perspectives different backgrounds and i'm very respectful because you know as a woman of color that i didn't see many people like me so i always hung out with my poly friends my black girlfriends anyone who was melanin we hung out mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to me i was like trying to find my crowd and, and corporate america really shook me i mean because in my culture we value respect to our superiors we value pleasing everyone because we have this gratitude, right? We say, mm-hmm. you got to be grateful for what you have. You have to be grateful for all your opportunities. And you always have to say yes in order to level up. Mm-hmm. But in corporate America, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's what led me to investment banking. I was more in the client onboarding side for them. And like I said, you know, I spent four years at Goldman Sachs, but it just didn't align with my mission. If we go back to what I was talking about as a kid and what I faced, I wanted to give back that information to my community, but it just wasn't aligning. I was just not happy and in the hours that I worked and my mental health was deteriorating because workaholism was it, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. something that we've been colonized to have because my parents, all I saw them was working from literally 5 a.m. to 7, 8 p.m. And then myself, I started working really young and that's all I thought. I, in order to be successful, I need to work hard, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're taught, right? But, yeah. but then I had to reconstruct. Like, okay, my mental health is deteriorating. This doesn't work. Like, this isn't going to be sustainable in the long term.
0: It's so. awesome to hear you go through that journey, the self awareness journey, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. that was. Now I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, right. according to the popular culture, right? This is what yeah. I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to work this hard, and I'm supposed to do these things, but. I don't know if this is jiving with if this doesn't feel right for me and who I am and what I have to do and what keeps my vibes where they need to be. Right. That energy that you give out is sometimes not received. Like you don't get that energy back. And so I think that's not interesting, but I think it's powerful for you to be able to understand that, especially at a young age and be able to like grasp that understanding of maybe this isn't for me. And even though everything may say that this is what I worked hard for, this is what I've always thought, this is why I went to school. This is what you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. You're supposed to live in this stressful, overwhelming environment where no one relates to you. That's what you're supposed to do. And seeing you navigate that with that awareness, that's awesome. So as you're getting all this information, right, working at Goldman Sachs, doing your reading, doing your studying as you're going to school and doing that, let's talk about how that led to you wanting to build generational wealth for people of color. So you go and it sounds like you're going over here. I got to get the secrets, right? I'm going Mm -hmm. over here to get the secret sauce so I can like almost like. Me and my friends like to call it the Robin Hood, right? Like, I'm going to go yes. over here. I'm going to learn everything. And I'll bring it back to the hood, right? i am bring yes. it back to the hood so we can make sure that everybody's good. So talk to us about how your experience led to your passion for LEAP to help people build generational
1: wealth. Yeah. So it was almost at year four. So this happened last year. So I left corporate America last year in February. So almost a year ago today. And, you know, New Year's resolutions, you know, we always go through. What's making us happy? What do we want to conquer in the next year? And I don't know. I, I guess I had a little coming to Jesus moment because I was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety. And mm-hmm. through my time working at Goldman, and <laughs> one of my therapists is like one of your managers, the main source of your triggers. Mm-hmm. And the corporate culture was a very harsh on me because as a queer Latina, like I have a voice, and and I hid a lot of my identity in corporate America. So that also had a big big tie to my mental health and I was just like okay Leah what makes you happy like what is your purpose think about that why are you even here why did you study finance because Mm -hmm. even at Goldman I got a master's degree in finance while I was working for them so not Mm -hmm. only was I working a lot of hours I was going to school and I'm trying to consume all this information because I thought that's what I was supposed to do right so when I had my coming to Jesus moment it was like okay Leah why did you even enter this field and when I look back I thought about my childhood self, where my dad was in tears telling me that he needed me to be intelligent. He needed me to be smart so that I would never make his mistakes Mm -hmm. when we had foreclosed on our home, Mm -hmm. when we were homeless. Literally, we were homeless. We had nowhere else to go. We had no business. My family business went bankrupt. We had no house. We were losing our cars left and right, Mm -hmm. and everything that we had to our name was gone because my parents didn't have that access to the financial education or like a roadmap to the financial system. And they still don't understand. And when I went back to my truest memory, my core, I was like, that's why I'm here, because my parents didn't have that information, because I am the generation that needs to figure this out. This is why I went to school so I could build wealth. I'm witnessing every single privileged individual build wealth, multimillionaires from different countries working with Goldman Sachs. I saw how much money they were trading and it shocked me. And then here I was working in wealth management and my counterparts were had a retirement and they were ready and they had a college fund for their kids. And my parents had zero for my college fund. And when I thought about that, I was like, okay, if they're building generational wealth, this is wealth, right? They're handing it down to their next generation. How can I do that for myself and give back? and that's where essentially i decided to start my own business
0: so okay i love that how you got to there. but it sounds like to me in the beginning of this story which is spare very, very powerful it sounds like it was two things that happened okay and this is just me and this is the part of the show i love so it sounds like there was two things you needed to be comfortable with who you were then you could get back to the mission of why i needed to do this but let's back up cuz you talk about a lot of stuff you talk about being a queer latina in corporate America and how to navigate that. And I think that until you figured out how to navigate that, you couldn't get to the why because you had to figure out who. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So let's talk about that. How was that? Trying to hide from yourself, essentially, right?
1: I made a post on Instagram about this the other day. You know, this is what professionalism looks like. Professionalism, Mm -hmm. you know, I had no idea really what that looked like until I entered corporate America or just the working force. In financial services and Mm -hmm. everyone wore suit and tie everyone looked a certain way and acted a certain way uptight and i was just all right is that how i'm supposed to act so Mm -hmm. i remember when i got the job at goldman i was 19 i was still 19 so i just recently graduated and i took out my gauges i took out my piercings i wore long sleeves Mm -hmm. and i wore a suit jacket and I' like slacks, and I walked into the office, and I was like, "All right, this is how I'm supposed to present myself, right? I'm trying to like get the gist of how this works here, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was shocking for me. Not everyone, like eventually through time, you end up being business casual, but the fact that I had to remove parts of myself to enter the building. I had to deconstruct that. The last year of my life after corporate America, I had to deconstruct everything that I did in order to fit into the corporate culture. I remember everyone assumed that I had a boyfriend. Everyone's like, okay, so do you have a boyfriend? Do you have this? And I was like, no, I have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell everyone that I had a girlfriend. I hid that from, you know, when you feel like you can trust someone, mm-hmm. I would tell them that. When my manager's would be like, oh, no, I just, no, I don't have a boyfriend. I would just say, no, I don't have a boyfriend. And everyone just assumed these things about me. And I was just like, uh, I don't know how to say that I'm a lesbian. I don't know how to mention it. And I think it took me like six months working on my team for people to get to know me that, hey, yeah, the girl that picks me up is my girlfriend, you know, from work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know if it was going to make people uncomfortable. And I know they had ally teams and the firm, but you still don't know. You still don't want to risk it when you've grown through a society that just barely accepted legal marriage for queer individuals. And the fact that we don't have our legal rights in corporate America, like all that, it just started happening recently, right? That I mean, we were. We're finally getting our rights as queer folk. And I just didn't want to risk my career because I was like, this is my chance to shine as the first gen Latina in my family to enter corporate America. So I have to respect the rules. Mm -hmm. And I just would consume the information from my peers of how they acted. And of course, they acted very professional. I remember I had a mentor tell me, you need to walk in with heels, makeup on, hair done so people can take you seriously. And I was just like, really? That's Mm -hmm. a lot of work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? You know, through the years, I just kept getting exhausted. In Spanish, is called aparentar, you know, mm-hmm. to to show off this mm-hmm. version of you. I couldn't every year just get less and less professional
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that sense of what they classify as professional because I just wanted to be me. Mm-hmm. So then eventually I got a nose piercing and I they were like, oh, you got a nose piercing. And mm-hmm. yeah, for mm-hmm. me, that's normal. Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and, I just don't know. I I had to hide. When I would go home, I was a different person than the way I showed up at Goldman Sachs. And I really, towards the end, I was like, Leah, you are a queer Latina. Stop. You got to stop dividing every single identity of who you are, because that was also causing me depression, causing me anxiety. Because what if I said the wrong thing? Mm -hmm. What if I was in a meeting? I was wearing a hoodie, right? I had ended up moving into tech because I was so tired of client onboarding operations. I was like, this is too uptight. Maybe tech is a little better for me. Mm-hmm. And I went to product management for them. And even then, I would be nervous to wear a hoodie, even though they said, hey, we're casual, we're, you know, we hang out here, we're chill. But even then, I got nervous anytime I showed up on a Zoom call mm-hmm. with a hoodie on or not my makeup done. And I was like, Leah, okay, hey, you got to stop trying to fit this mold because mm-hmm. this mold isn't made for you. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, corporate culture, it's capitalism, white supremacy in its core at the Mm -hmm. end, like these ways that we're supposed to present ourselves. And towards the end, when I was having my coming to Jesus moment, that came up like, Mm -hmm. Leah, who are you and what do you represent? Mm -hmm. And I had to let go of the idea that I didn't want to divide myself anymore.
0: It's something that's relatable, right? Like it's almost the code switching is what we call it, right? So when I'm there, I have to speak a certain way. I have to act a certain way. I can't be my true, authentic, genuine self. And I think when you can't be your true, authentic, genuine self, the employer suffers because you can't be who you are. And in this case, it's something that I think just listening to you talk about this, I think some people are going to relate to this and understand this because we've all been there, especially when you're the only person like you in the room. Right. Or there's two. And you're like looking around like, I wonder someone. And then the crazy part about this is when there is someone else in there. Right. And they finally look like you and think mm-hmm. like, maybe this might be maybe. the one. Right. This maybe. Now you're both coaches which now you're scared shit mm-hmm. to talk to them, too, because you don't know. So I feel you on that. And I can feel just the struggle and the fight to try to live this two person, you know, try to be two different people. And I think that for yourself and people of the LGBTQ plus community. My heart goes out to you because I understand how difficult that is. Some people know, some people don't. My mom was lesbian after she had me. And I just always think back. My mom passed away when she was 42. So we didn't get a chance to talk about having these kind of conversations. But I was thinking, you know, me growing up in the 80s, my mom was born in 60. And I'm thinking like, you're talking about how far we've come in the last, you know. 10 years. 10 years. I'm like, so I will say this. It is incredible. It is incredible to see what you've been able to start and how well you know thyself. That's awesome to me. And I think that those two things, understanding your, who you are and why you were doing it led to entrepreneurship, right? So talk to us about why entrepreneurship, why did you want to start your own business after spending all that great time in the corporate world?
1: I know, right? Honestly, if you would ask me a year and a half ago, do you see Leah having her own business? She would say, no, hell no. Why would I want to work like my parents? <laughs> why would I ever want to hustle like that again, right? Mm -hmm. I want a consistent paycheck. That's Mm -hmm. what I would have said a year and a half ago. Now I'm like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Entrepreneurship, honestly, when I realized that there was a huge gap and there still is a gap to serve the BIPOC community, Black, Indigenous, people of color with building wealth, I was like, I need to get on this. If I have the education and obviously imposter syndrome came through because she was like, you know, you have six years, you need more, you need your CFP, which I'm working on it. You need all these other things right on top of that to validate myself. But I was like, no, I've worked with these multimillionaires for a long time. I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. So I started my entrepreneurship journey with helping people start businesses in my local state, because that's what I was familiar with with my parents. Entrepreneurship was their generational wealth. Like My parents really do have now a successful landscaping business that they literally lost and had to rebuild so i witnessed my parents do all of that and my parents really instilled giving back to the community in my childhood i would watch my parents help others who migrated here to the us they my dad would give them jobs you know and so i was like okay if my dad can give back i can give back so this is my way of giving back obviously it didn't correlate with goldman sachs because conflict of interest so i had to quit i was forced to resign if i'm very honest but it's okay i accept it we're Mm -hmm. moving on and you know I just started a little Instagram account and I was like, all right, I'm going to help people start businesses in my local state. You know, at first it was 20 people following me, then it was 100 people, then it was 200, then it was 300. And then there was eventually a client that was like, Leah, I want to start my business. I want to start a tile company. Can you help me? I don't know where to start. Where do I go? What are the things I need to consider? And that's how it started. And then it just made me realize, okay, this information is not accessible, even just with starting a business. How about you know at my core personal finance and finances they're just what I understand and know so I would like put tips about finance in there as well and then I think around maybe three months of doing the entrepreneurship thing I was okay Leah let's go back let's reframe what's the vision what are you doing I'm all about manifesting into the future and I'm like what are you doing here like at its core what do you want and at its core I want a generational wealth I want my community Black Indigenous people of color to literally hand down wealth to the next generation because we were not given that. So I was like, okay, how do I do that? So then obviously my financial tool set came through. I was like, all right, you already have education. Just start posting content that resonates with the community. And what resonated was the money mindset, the limited beliefs, the scarcity, the money trauma that our community has had and faced, the backlash of just our identities and not getting access to financial education and literacy. And just through posting content, you know, last year I helped create like 20 businesses in my local state, but I also coached over, I think over 23 individuals last year. Some I'm still coaching on through this new year and at its core, again, all these individuals just want is to understand their finances because it was never taught at home. Literally a lot of these people come to me with fear and just in a clarity call. They're like, I'm scared. I have anxiety. And then they tell me that. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I feel you. Let's Breathe it out. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. here to judge you. I'm just here to give you a safe space to tell me what's going on. They tell me I have credit card debt because my parents never told me how to use a credit card and I don't know how to pay it off. They would tell me, okay, I don't even know how to save. How do I save? Mm -hmm. Or they would tell me they were unbanked. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have a banking institution. And I just was heartbroken. I was just like, I am privileged enough to go through this education because I pushed myself through it this is my purpose. This Mm -hmm. is where I need to be. This is the work that I need to do is give access to our community of something that we never were supposed to have access Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And through that, my heart has been filled with so many individuals just saying thank you for just the basics of budgeting and saving and credit scores. And just with that, people already blown away Mm -hmm. And if I'm very honest, I just blew up on TikTok a week ago. I posted a video about building generational wealth and the frustrations of teaching my parents about investing. And they tell me it's a scam. You know, they watched the 08 recession. They saw the impacts of all that. So I don't blame them. But out of frustration, I made a video talking about how they pissed me off about investing. And they're like, no, it's a scam. Why would we ever do that? And Bitcoin isn't real, you know, all this thing. And I get in my car and I, I went to the gym and I came back and I was just like, I just want to build generational wealth and it has to start with me. I am the one that has to do this. I'm the one who has to invest. And I've been investing since I was 18 and I've seen my portfolio increase, you know, over the years. I'm like, I know this is real. I've tested it out. Like I've tested these waters and I'm sure because they have millions of textbooks about investing, it's real. Like I studied this and their lack of belief for a community pushed my content though. Like I posted this video on TikTok and it blew up and I have over and 50 views, 750,000 views on this video. And I had followers of 175 and I'm close to 50,000 now. And that video just came from the heart. It's just saying, hey, it's up to us as first gen or as DACA recipients or the first to get access to a banking institution. It doesn't matter your race or gender. They all felt my pain. And the comments were immaculate. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy hell, I guess. Really, I'm not alone. Like, this is proof that this work, this gap, this wealth gap is real. And yeah, there's so much work to be done. And I'm like, I can't do this by myself. We need more people advocating and talking about money. Like, it's a real conversation versus a freaking textbook. Like, if you're a professor, like, no, we don't need that. We just need to have a conversation like this about money. Podcasts like this are what is going to change the next generation, like, they're going to change us.
0: Could not agree more. I think. When you think it's so powerful, like I'm just listening to you. Every time you revisit your why, it like jumpstarts. So realize that every time you revisit your why, something happens, right? You go back to your why, and it all starts with your who, because you mention it again without mentioning it. You're like talking about the who. Who am I? And then you yeah. said, "What am I supposed to be doing?" And you level set yourself, and then you go out and you know set things ablaze. And I think that is incredible. Don't ever. Lose that, and if you feel like you're not in your spot, go back to your why, because your why is like really powerful and it's really driving what you're doing, and it's awesome. I'm excited for the growth, and I feel like that Michael Jackson song: "You're not alone." You know, yeah. we're out here, we're out here, yeah. so we outside now. You
1: know? so, <laughs> so our um, voices are being heard. This is the year, man. Our voices are really being heard because it's time to amplify it. I'm tired of just savior complexes showing up saying that we can help you, we can change it. Nah, I want to yeah. see. A black woman, a black man, a Latinx woman. I want to see Mm -hmm. it all in the Mm -hmm. forefront because the face of finance really needs to be the people who are building this nation Mm -hmm. and who has built this nation.
0: That's right. That's right. I think that we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. We've had some great allies that have reached out and been there with us. You know, I always think about back in, just think about history over, over history. There's always been people that were on the right side of history, right? with decisions they made and the people that they decided to align themselves with. So I think that there are a lot of people out there to do a talking, but there's a lot of people out there that are actually exhibiting actions that say, I support this mission and I'm going to get behind you. And so shout out to those people that have been out there supporting us that don't, you know, look like us and say Mm -hmm. that we still see there's something wrong. It's broken and we want to fix it. I just think about the synergy that people, like, you know, I'm pumped now. I'm like, I need to go get some more clients and go help some more people and change the stuff that, that we need to be changed. As we say here, changing the complexion of wealth. As you know, this is the Minority Money podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And first of all, Leah, thank you for coming on. But I want to know the fire, the passion, what motivates you or inspires you to continue to grow, learn, and lead? What is
1: it? People like me, Mm -hmm. literally, when I think about it, what motivates me? At its core is my family, is my parents. They really sacrificed everything for me. And Even though I fight with them all the time, we yell at each other over little things. My mom never throws away freaking leftover food. She's always like, I need to save it. You never know the children in El Salvador. And and I'm like, I get it. I know, I know, I understand, but it's gone. No one's going to eat it, you know? Even though we fight, those little things. I do this for my parents. I do this for my cousins. I do this for people like me, my Black sisters, my Latinx sisters, my queer sisters. I do it for them because... I just know how I grew up and I wish there was someone like me. I do it for the five-year-old Leah, you know, and the 15-year-old Leah who was in finance classes and she was the only woman of color. I do it for her. I do it because she wanted to see someone like me and here I am doing it.
0: Absolutely. You are the representation that the industry needs. You've been talking about this. How has your family supported you in this journey? Talk to me about that. How's your family? supported
1: you? Yeah. You know, it's funny. So when everything happened with Goldman, I was actually with my parents we had a fall through, but I had came to visit them in order to reconcile the fall through that we had. And this happened with my career. I was forced to resign because of my business. And I was like, okay, it is what it is, I guess, you know, and I'm crying. I come out of the meeting. My dad looks at me and he's like, Leah, this is why we work hard for you. This is why we do the things we do. So it's okay, quit. Because you don't want to work for any employer that's going to embarrass you or humiliate you like that anyways, and won't have your back. So it's okay. This is why we work. And when I told my mom about my business, she was like, this is exactly what you were meant to do. This is your business. Because my parents always instilled entrepreneurship in us. But I like I said, I was like, I don't want to work be a workaholic. I don't want to work at 5 a.m. and come home at 9 PM like my dad. That's all I saw, right? So I didn't know that I could change the definition of entrepreneurship for myself. And so my parents were on board because that's how they build wealth, right? Like that's how they see wealth as if you can create it yourself.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to your parents. They seem like incredible parents. So I was just picking up what you're putting down about your dad and entrepreneurship. And when we talked about that topic, I was like, we got to say something about Pops in here somewhere. Because yeah. he's showing you to grind early. You know what I mean? Pops is showing you if you want to work yeah. hard, you want to get something, you just got to go grind. And I love that. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, some parting gift or gifts, it could be more than one, <laughs> what would they be?
1: I know talking about money and having this conversation can be difficult for some especially if you've never had it before Mm -hmm. but start getting comfortable with talking about money start building a relationship with money and even it could be just by listening to this podcast right and listening to to feel inspired by others who have been able to build wealth or who have been able to share these experiences I hope you feel inspired to talk about money with your family and your friends even though it might not be great we all have debt we've all gone through something similar and if we can build community through that and number two is for my allies. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my allies. I really wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mentors. And they weren't all women of color. Some of them were white women and I respect that and white men. And I respect their knowledge because they gave it to me. They believed in me. So this is for my allies. Please amplify the voices of color. Please showcase the talent that there is out there just by sharing their posts or retweeting. That's all it takes is to amplify the voices of our community.
0: And yeah, not, nothing else to say that powerful words from a powerful young lady. Leah, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for blessing us with your knowledge, with your presence, and yeah. with your inspiration. Thank you very much. If people want to get more of Leah, what social medias are you active on? Where's Leah popping? Where's Leah? I mean, we know Leah's... you put, we know you're on TikTok. Yeah. We'll get them handles out. Tell us how we tell the listeners <laughs> so, how they can get more.
1: Yeah, so I'm at Leah Landa Verde, my name on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. That's where I post a lot of my content. And then I have my new podcast, Mi Riqueza Podcast, which is my wealth podcast. It's all about redefining what wealth is, because we know we have a view of what wealth is because of society, but how can we change that for ourselves and apply our own version of that? And right now I have four episodes out, but it's on pause because I'm working with Spotify. I got into a program with Spotify called Latinx Sound Up, mm. and they're teaching me how to run a podcast with production and everything. So it's really cool. Like this nice. mic was gifted from them. So right. <laughs> I really do appreciate Spotify for the chance and opportunity to. So yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So we will have all those links in the show notes so people can get a hold of you and follow your story, follow what you're doing and continue to follow the work that you're doing. Once again, for myself and everybody here at the Minority Money podcast team, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. We will have you back. We got to have you on again. Yeah. So just so you know.
1: Yes. Give me a few years and let's see how everything blows up.
0: That's it. That's it. Don't forget, we'll bring you back. So with that, as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I'm your host, Inland Miles Battingham. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP. To support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know. That really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or a CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast. So we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time.